Welcome into hardcore Penn State football. Penn State Rose Bowl champions beating the Utah Utes 35-21. Rapid reaction coming at you in just one second. Hope you guys are ready for this. Sean will be with me in one second. Hardcore Penn State football. I'm Corey Listoki. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Man, biggest win in a long, long time. Awesome, awesome, awesome. How are you, Corey? Yeah. I'm not even really sure. I'm. I mean, I'm straight up emotional. I mean, I'm just... I'm going to be honest with you guys. I mean, people joke, you know, a lot with me, especially and how I defend Clifford too much and all those things. And I did not expect if given the circumstances that ESPN was going to go deep into the like Clifford's like hugging every single player in a sideline and, and all that. So I wasn't ready for that emotionally. Um, that was something. I mean, that was that was more than I ever thought of. Fowler let it slip that Franklin said he wanted to do something like that. Um, I always like kind of felt like Andy Bernard from the office just wanting that one delicious moment for uh, for Sean Clifford. And holy shit, Sean. I mean, he got that delicious moment in the granddaddy of them all. Yeah, he played the best game of his career. Uh, I don't think that's hyperbole to say that he balled out from the beginning of the game to the end and to see him get the curtain call, you know, I was just on the phone with my dad and, you know, the great quarterbacks of my life, Robinson and Clark and McSorley, they didn't get that. Like that's not some guaranteed thing that everybody gets. 
Uh, and to do it on the stage that he did against the team that they beat. That just says, I mean, it's a storybook ending. And we know the adversity he faced in his career. We know that. I mean, we don't have to get into it. Um, but to be able to have that happy, you know, moment at the end, seeing him hug his brother as he's running off the field and the tears are just streaming down his face. I mean, you know, that's kind of what college sports are supposed to be about. And it was so great to see such a great dude get that moment. How can't you be romantic about Penn State football? Um, we're, we're live on YouTube right now. So if you're listening in, make sure to comment and say hi. Tell us how you're feeling. Make sure you've subscribed and liked as well. Sylvester caught one of the tweets I had. Um, and he asked us a question about it for fan questions. But he also says, great game, great win. Happy for Clifford. Franklin haters crying in their pillows tonight. And absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yep. Sean, you brought up the the, the over whatever in, in top 10 wins since 2016. A lot of people brought that up. It was brought up on ESPN a couple times today. Uh, can't say that anymore. A big time win against a top 10 team in Utah. Uh and and a big time win. It's a Rose Bowl. It's the best non-playoff bowls of all the bowls. And he now has a Fiesta Bowl, a Cotton Bowl, and a Rose Bowl in just nine years at Penn State. So it's. I think if anything, I mean, right now, I don't know how you can't feel really good about having James Franklin as your coach. And, you know, and Cliff is the player that everyone's going to talk about, but this is a huge James Franklin win because, yeah, that that's a relevant stat to say that he hasn't done it against top 10 teams. And it's something that, yeah, his haters and also some realists are going to bring up, like, could he win a big game? And he won in super convincing fashion. Um, I think he brought up that it was almost like a road game. Because there were so many more Utah fans there. And that's understandable. It's Pennsylvania is very, very far from L.A. And. I think it's a six hour drive for Utah, I think is what I said. It's only six hour drive. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean. So, I mean, it's basically from Scranton to a little past Pittsburgh away. So it's not a far drive. And. Um. State colleges across the country. So it's tough getting people there. And didn't bother us. <laughs> I mean, the defense, they smelled blood in the water, and that was it. And even when Rising was in the game, they still weren't doing anything. So I think if Rising stayed in, I mean, maybe it's a little closer, maybe, but I don't think it's much closer. And I think they still get the win. And it's Nick, it was Nick Singleton's coming out party to the nation. If the Auburn game wasn't, this game was. That long run, he joins Kajana Carter, he joins Saquon Barkley, you know, having those long runs at Penn State. And his run's going to be shown just with those guys. And like Kajana, his team got the win. So I think it's going to be a little sweeter to see that run. Yeah, yeah, no, that's for sure. I, I, you know, we're gonna talk, I guess, sort of overview today, tonight, and then Wednesday we'll come back and maybe dive through the nitty and gritty. Um, I just want to say a little bit, real quick, and just say first of all, 
before we get away from Sean Clifford too much, and I don't know if we will at all really during this episode at all because it's I mean this is this is about Sean Clifford really at it's least most game, of yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, and so I just you know I just want to say look like I, I sat here what two months ago and basically said that his legacy is in the books, that he he did not have that big-time win. He never beat Ohio State. He never won a Big Ten championship. He didn't get them in the playoff. That's all true. But he 100% improved on his legacy more than I thought he was going to be capable of doing. Uh, as you just mentioned, previous Rose Bowls, there's only one quarterback in Penn State football history before tonight that has won a Rose Bowl. There is a bunch of quarterbacks since then that had opportunities to do that uh, and failed to do it. You could argue there was maybe even better teams or at least better players on those teams that failed to do that. And now Sean Clifford has done that, and he also has that Cotton Bowl win. Um, that's improving your legacy. And I guess I should say, like, yeah, Nick Singleton, and we'll get to it in a second as far as what he was capable of doing, but it was what Sean Clifford was able to do from the get-go. They, Mike Yurcich said that they wanted to be able to throw to run the ball, and that's exactly what they did. And the only way you can do that is if you can throw the ball. And early on, Sean, I mean, Clifford was dissecting the Utah defense. Before every snap, he was looking like Peyton Manning, making 17 different audibles, snapping with two seconds left, and then threading a needle over the middle. I mean, that happened multiple times. And I think the stat was early in the third quarter, um, before it got out of hand, I think Sean Clifford was five for five on third downs throwing the ball. I mean, that that's how you win big games. And and he did that. And so this wasn't like Nick Singleton and Katron Allen carried him to a Rose Bowl win. This was Sean Clifford going out and taking it. And and he he emphatically did that. So a little bit of egg on my face. I thought his legacy was kind of, you know, was over after the Ohio State game. Uh, he won the next four. He with a little bit of help got to the Rose Bowl but then did the rest himself. So Sean Clifford, I'm not going to say he's all of a sudden now, you know, one of the top three quarterbacks of all time, but he has drastically improved the way people are going to look at him for the rest of his life. And, and that's pretty cool to see, especially being a Sean Clifford supporter. And this is the game he's going to go out on. So people are going to remember this game. I mean, I don't know if they'll remember it first but they're gonna remember it right up there they're gonna be like you know that rose bowl he balled out like he and he delivered and i feel like before this game like you could probably look at the auburn game this year but even his detractors kind of detracted from that a little bit and we're like well he just managed the game and he didn't have to do anything and I mean, he managed the game, but he still made big throws in that game, too. So I never really understood. Those are just people who don't like Sean Clifford. And that's what they're going to that's what they're going to bring up. But he was the reason they won tonight. The reason the run game was so successful, especially with Singleton, was because Clifford passed well enough to set it up. And and the Singleton run, I don't know if you noticed this, Corey. I don't think Utah was ready for the snap because it seemed like it was a collapse. You know, they, they went on a clap and I don't think they, they, they seemed like they were still lining up. The safety was still moving around and Singleton, when he hits that hole, he hits it and he could fly. So, I mean, you, you have to even give him credit on that, but that's, yeah, that's why you start Sean Clifford in a game like this because yeah. and, and he, he did that snapping. 
he did that even uh like he got them off sides on that first drive too mm-hmm. got him the free play there too so um sean i was just gonna say that too like will levis said something on twitter about that play that you're talking about with with the quick cadence snap and will levis is saying that it was a similar cadence and a similar situation of what they did in the Rose Bowl where Saquon had the long run. Similar situation. So you clap to see who moves, and then and when you look over, instead of, like, looking over and seeing, check with me, it's actually we're going to snap it. And that's exactly what they did, and it, and it worked. So a little bit of a throwback. But, I th- yeah, Will Levis said that, and I was like, wow, that's that's pretty that's pretty neat. So on a two big runs now, similar kind of catch you off guard with the cadence. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really interesting that he said that. Um, and yeah, like Cliff made it happen today. And like you said, on third down, we said all season, we're not good enough on third down. And tonight we were, <laughs> we were able to get it done. Throwing the ball, we were able to get it done. Running the ball the whole night. And I think that was that was a big part of this game um, in keeping the defense and keeping uh, the offense rolling. And you know, run, once again, the trout line formation, I mean, it's money. <laughs> it really is. It doesn't really matter who we line up against. Teams just have trouble stopping that. And if you're a Michigan, if you're Ohio State, if you're Michigan State, Maryland, I mean, the whole Big Ten in the offseason, you're figuring out a way to stop that because really nobody has had an answer for that this year. Yeah, Penn State ended up 54% on third down. In this game, they were obviously around. I think they're mid thirties going into the game, so that was that was big time yep. for sure. Uh, and a lot of that had to do with Sean Clifford. Uh, he did it with two. I, I saw Caden Wallace did play, uh, got in there from time to time. But Bryce Defner played a lot at right tackle. Drew Shelton played a lot at the left tackle. I thought Drew Shelton struggled early, but settled in. Uh, for a second there, I was thinking Utah was looking like they were gonna. Ho- they were hoping that they could just rush four. And, and win with just rushing forward. I think that's what Utah was hoping to do. The tackles did enough to say, no, you're going to need to bring some pressure. And when Utah brought pressure, Sean Clifford was able to take advantage of it. So credit the tackles for holding up just enough um, and, and allowing Sean Clifford just enough wiggle. He got sacked a couple times. And, and Utah's, you know, above average in rushing the passer. And 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 we knew that going into this. And so they held up just enough. They didn't let the dam break and and they got the job done. But no, I, I don't know how you can't look at this game and just think this was like the perfect storm for Sean Clifford. I mean, he did everything that he's done well throughout the season in one game and he did not have any of the mistakes. I mean, it's it's unreal. He he checked down when he was supposed to. He dissected blitzes before they happened. He brought extra protection. He was telling people who to block. He was moving in the pocket. He was, you know, he did it all. He, he threw the deep ball, which that's what uh, Sylvester was talking about. I love tweeting out. Everyone says Sean Clifford can't throw the deep ball. They run the sluggo route, set him up beautifully. Great call by Mike Yersich. And, and Keandre Lambert-Smith does the rest. I mean, it was... It was it was everything you wanted to see in Sean Clifford that you you knew he had but hadn't shown consistently. He was able to put it all together on a platter in the biggest stage besides the playoff. I mean, I don't know how you can't get giddy about that. That that just that just gets me so. And I guess I should say without his best wide receiver. I mean, you can't you can't even write a better script than that. So. Uh, this is not going to be just about Sean Clifford, but I think it's such an important part of it, especially when you look 
at every single guy on that sideline, I'm pretty sure hugged Sean Clifford, every single one of them. And I, I just think you people don't realize the impact that guys like that make on the locker room and that sort of impact makes on the young guys. Everybody wants to talk about Drew Aller and what he's going to do next year and what he could do for this Penn State football program, football program and, and rightfully so. But I don't think uh, people understand the impact that Sean Clifford's probably already made on Drew Aller. And it's just so funny, right? He has all those stats. He's leading record for all those stats in Penn State program history. He just tied Trace McSorley for 31 career wins for Penn State. He just won the Rose Bowl. He's won the Cotton Bowl. And yet the most important thing he could end up doing in his entire career at Penn State is mentoring Drew Aller to become a national championship quarterback. I mean, it's crazy. Like, that could end up being the best thing that he's done. Just just a remarkable, remarkable finish for, for that guy. Just couldn't be happier for him. Yeah, yeah. He got his 100th touchdown tonight, too. Um, so that's that's a big accomplishment. Only Trace did that. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can't be happier for him. And his receivers delivered for him. I think there was there was one drop tonight. I think Harrison Wallace had it. But overall, like they made the catches. Uh, KLS ran a great route. Uh, Warren early on in the game ran a very pretty route to move the chains. So they were getting open for Sean. Uh, and you have to give them a ton of credit because, yeah, Parker Was- Parker Washington wasn't there. And you know, it's it's a tough thing to go and beat a good team without your best receiver. And yeah, I wanted to make sure Brenton Strange didn't have a catch. He played. But he didn't have a catch. So the guys with catches, KLS, back next year. Tinsley's gone. Wallace, back next year. Theo Johnson, back next year. Warren, back next year. Katron Allen, back next year. So these are all guys that are going to be back. And that's another thing that I think you have to be psyched out of your mind about. And most of the line comes back. Outside of Juice, everybody's back. And they're going to be able to build off of this momentum that they had. And, yeah, you get Olu back to start to start the season next year. Uh, you know, pregame, got to admit, I was a little worried that we weren't going to have Olu. Um, I, that, that did worry me. We're playing the number eight team in the country. But like Corey said, I thought Shelton filled in pretty nicely. He, you know, he had, he's going to have a hiccup or two. They're a good defense, but I thought he played pretty well. Uh, warmly, you got to move your feet. <laughs> you got to be able to handle that, that loop. Um, but overall, I thought the line, the line did their job. So that's this is another week where the line does their job. And big credit to Phil Troutwine and his unit for getting better as the year went on, even without having their left tackle uh, the last quarter of the season. Yeah, um, wide receiver-wise, yeah, that one drop by Wallace is, is whatever, but I mean, like we like we tweeted about Moneyball. Like, how do you replace Giambi? Well, you you replace Washington in the aggregate, and that's exactly what Penn State did. And you could argue that actually helped Penn State because they didn't Utah couldn't focus on on any single person, at least in the passing game. And Clifford was finding different guys. He was finding you know Johnson over the middle. He was finding Warren over the middle. And then once Tinsley, I thought Tinsley had a really good game. Uh, just everything he did as far as punt return. He, he had maybe one hiccup on the punt return, but otherwise I thought he did a really good job. That's not, you know, that's Parker Washington's duty for the most part. So um, he, I thought he handled that well. He had one pretty good return, uh, but just that touchdown 
that he caught wasn't necessarily an easy catch with that was in traffic great throw i know no one touched him but i mean it wasn't an easy catch through all those different guys so i thought that was a big time catch i mean keandre lambert smith obviously the touchdown it is what it is i mean that's just but the scramble drill on third down he got open very impressed with the wide receivers everyone i think if anything i think the biggest reservation going into this game was could the wide receivers do enough and i know utah didn't have clark phillips the third but they did they did enough and that ended up really being the difference. Penn State's wide receivers did it a lot, and I don't want to toot my horn too much here, but going into this, what did I say? What supporting cast is going to help the quarterback the most? And it was Penn State's, and it wasn't even close. I mean, the running backs clearly helped Clifford the most. The wide receivers clearly helped Clifford the most. The tight ends, the one guy had one nice catch, but he had a couple drops too. Um, Clearly the tight ends helped John Clifford the most. So. Three for three in that department. And, and offensive line, I would say, uh, they helped Sean Clifford more than when they helped Utah. Um, and we'll get to the defense in a second. But, yeah, I, I agree with you with wide receivers. Uh, offensive line, yeah. I think Drew Shelton was nervous early, to be honest with you. That's all it was. I think he was just nervous. And uh, he settled in fine. I think Sal Warmly was, got beat a couple times, but I think he even settled in the second half. And uh, they like going on Sal's side on that T formation. So, or in the trot line formation, excuse me. So that's also nice. Good to see too. Um, I did want to say Jake Wetzel on YouTube says, love seeing them put everything together into absolute perfection. Franklin finally did what I wasn't confident he could do. So happy for him. We are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Like seeing him like get the Gatorade shower and, um, you know, Cliff was looking for him with the rose petals. Like those are things that we're going to remember for a while. And he lost his glasses. I don't know if he ever got his glasses back in that melee. Um, he did. He did. Someone oh, did found he? them and yep. He, and gave him the Chris Peterson. I think it might've been a media member too. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was, that was awesome. Like, and you could tell like just how thrilled he is and how close his team is, um, you know, staying focused and these guys played hard. I know they gave up the touchdown at the end, they were playing hard till the end. Like they gave up that touchdown. <laughs> Me and Corey were going back and forth in a group chat. We didn't know who a lot of those guys even were, but they were still playing hard. I mean, they, you just can't say enough. And then Tank Smith, I, I thought he might break one for a touchdown on that one run. Uh, but, you know, he got, he got, he got stopped. Uh, but it was, it was nice seeing him get some time. And, and you know, <laughs> Corey, I thought during the game, too, about that one question that we had about what the over-under on Drew Aller's snaps would be. We were both wrong. (laughs) If you took the over, you were right. Yeah. Uh, Because we just didn't anticipate us just kind of thoroughly dominating this team in the second half. We didn't see that coming. Uh, But that's what ended up happening and if you took the over on what did we say a a half a snap a snap you would have won some money so (laughs) yeah we'll um as we get into the next portion of the episode here james franklin sean clifford and jair brown are about to address the media so we'll have random updates with for you throughout this but i mean yeah i just big before we flip to the defensive side things just big shout out to mike yersich because they literally, and we said this, I think, since the Minnesota game, like, throw it to open up the run, and that's exactly what they did. 
we talked about an ice. And I, I, all right, it was a little provocative. Well, I said straight up, Utah's defense, run defense, is not an elite run defense. And there, the analytics and the statistics supported it. And it was pretty evident. Like, yes, you guys are better than most of the defenses in the Pac-12 running the football. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're an elite rush defense. And from the get-go, Nick Singleton looked leaky. I mean, it looked like he was going to break one from the get-go. He was slippery. That first two drives... I was like, why aren't they feeding him enough? They finally scored the touchdown, but up to that point, he'd only carried it, I think, five times, and he was averaging 6.6 yards per carry. And that includes the touchdown run, which he probably would have ran forever on that one. So um, they, they, were, they were dominating in the running game. And so I was wondering why they weren't running as much. And and honestly, they just didn't have the speed for, for Nick Singleton. Katron Allen, I thought, did a good job of keeping Penn State on schedule as as good as he could, but this was a Nick Singleton game because they just didn't have they didn't have the speed for for what he could do, and and that that proved pretty evident on that huge run. Nobody was gonna. I mean, as soon as he hit that hole, I mean, there was, I was like, there's, there's there's no one that's gonna catch him like that, and and that's exactly the case. But they could have probably ran that multiple times in a second half. I don't think Nick. I don't even know if Nick Singleton. I think he might have played in one more series after that, and that was it. I don't even know if he carried the ball again. He might have. I don't think he did because I think Katron Allen was for the next two. He might have been out there for the Keandre Lambert Smith touchdown, but I don't know if he actually caught a or ran the ball for it. So yeah. uh, he ended up with Nick Singleton ended up with, which is just nuts to me, because all year we were told like, oh, he won't be able to keep that average up. Ends up with only seven rushes for 120 yards on 17 yards per run and two touchdowns. Seven rushes, and he has 120 yards. Katron Allen, 11 rushes for 37 yards and a touchdown. Tank Smith also broke a nice run there at the end. That was nice to see uh, for, for nine yards. They ran for 169 total yards, but that does include Sean Clifford, who got sacked three times. Yeah, I mean, Singleton... I, I actually told my girlfriend we were watching the game together. We we're both we both have been together, and I was like, just keep giving the ball to Singleton. Like I I didn't really get why Katron. I mean, and I love Katron Allen, but I kind of thought like they can't they can't keep up with him. And it seemed obvious to me early on, and it was one of the reasons I continued to stay confident throughout the game, even at halftime. It's tied and everything because we we just had better athletes. And on both sides of the ball, I just didn't think they matched up well with us athletically. And that doesn't always guarantee you win. They're less athletic than USC and they beat USC twice, but I just didn't think they had the speed to keep up with Penn state. And then in the second half, who beat them? KLS, um, Nick Singleton. And of course, Cliff was able to give them the ball, but, and on defense, Again, that speed, that speed in the front seven really showed through. And we were able to get after both quarterbacks and really and really rattled them. And, you know, it, it sucks that uh, Rising had, you know, that he got hurt. But, you know, we were get we were getting after him. We were getting after his backup. And there really wasn't much for the quarterbacks to be able to do. And I don't think their receivers were, were their receivers weren't getting open like they needed to. So. There's there's that as well. Um, I do think if it was 
if their defense was able to stop us more, I mean, it, it sounds pretty obvious, but it would have been a closer game because they would have been able to run the ball. And I do think they did have success running the ball. Uh, not a ton. It wasn't like they were gashing us, but they were able to find some success. So it's a good thing that our offense was able to really go and we played complimentary football and the offense helped the defense, defense helped the offense. Everything came up roses, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just get right into it. Right. Because again, I I said on last week that, Hey, make them dink and dunk it down the field. And that's exactly what they were kind of forced to do. And they had that one drive that looked really nice where they ran it and and they're like, okay, that, that's not great. Uh, but then the only other time they were successful was on a pretty much Hail Mary throw that, that Marquise Wilson lost where the football was, and they had 47 yards on that one play. Uh, and even that first drive was aided by, I think, two penalties. There's a pen, there's a pass interference on Dixon, and there's a an offsides. So even that one, that first touchdown drive by them was aided by some penalties. But I mean, let, let's just be honest for what it is, because I think Penn State fans can relate to it more than anything. If you're always asking your quarterback to run and he's running for his life and you're asking him to scramble pretty much every play, which is what Utah was asking him to do. The chances of getting injured go way up. I mean, we went into this year thinking Penn State wasn't going to be able to keep Sean Clifford healthy, and they were able to do that because they didn't run him as much. And there is a direct relation between how many times you run and when you're going to get knocked out of the game. Um, and that is like nobody has experienced that worse than Penn State uh, going all the way back to Trace McSorley. And and then obviously with Sean Clifford, too. So, I mean, that's why Franklin has not just, you know, didn't let Sean Clifford run nearly as much as he let even Clifford in the past. And it's unfortunate because I think Cam Rising you know, they had that fourth and four on Penn State side of the field. I, I'm, I'm guessing they probably go with for it if they have Cam Rising. In fact, they should have still gone for it, in my opinion, with with uh, with their backup in the game. But Cam Rising stats was I mean, he they weren't going to win this game with with Cam Rising. He he finished eight of 21 for 95 yards passing one touchdown and one interception. Again, 47 of those yards came on one play. So he was basically seven for 20 for whatever that is, 30, for, for math, quick math, 95 minus 47, 38? Yes. Um, Either one of us were math majors. Seven for 20 for 38 yards. And then, like I said, he did run the ball well. Um, but that, I mean, that's just ended up nine for nine rushes for 56 yards, and that includes sack yardage. So, he was doing everything he could. He was being a competitor. Uh, he was slippery, especially in the first half. But, man, did Manny Diaz, like, really turn up the pressure? And they were coming after him. I mean, they were they were coming after him. I, I know Penn State ended up with, uh, let's see here, I think it was six. Yeah, Penn State finished with six sacks. A lot of, I would say they still probably, two or three of them probably happened because of the young quarterback. But they were, they, I think they had, one going into halftime, I still think they end up with at least four. I mean, they were going to get home eventually, uh, regardless. So credit Manny Diaz, right? I mean, he had all this time off. We were worried about it because he had the two weeks to prepare for Michigan, and he laid an egg. They had a month to prepare for Utah, and they looked they looked really prepared. I mean, they looked ready to rock and roll. They, they looked ready to challenge Utah, and they challenged Utah from the get-go. And uh, – 
it just it was it was very impressive, Sean. Yeah, and I think we made the three comps before. Like Georgia's a better version of Michigan, and Michigan's a better version of Utah. So you kind of had to be worried. At, at least I was. Like, are these guys just gonna punch us in the mouth, and we're not gonna be a you know, sound in our assignments, and you know, and everything like that, like we were against Michigan. But it didn't really happen. Like I said, they did have some success running the ball in the first half. A lot of that was due to Cam rising. Uh, you know, we and I tweeted at halftime. I think if we could contain Cam rising, we'll be all right. And that's what happened because you know it's it was it didn't at all feel like the Michigan game where Corm and Edwards were just killing us. It, it didn't feel like that, but they were still able to you know pick up some yards on the ground. Um, they they were able to run the ball a little bit better than Minnesota probably. And I know um, what's his name um, Ibrahim had a hundred yards, but it didn't really feel like a hundred yards when you watch the game. I thought Utah. Had, maybe a little more success. Now they had to abandon the run in the fourth quarter because they were so far behind, but so it might not show. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it might not show up that way, but uh, yeah, I mean, this defense swarmed and when they, they, when they smell blood in the water, they're a thing to behold uh, in pretty much every game except Ohio state, but they're Ohio state. So <laughs> they're kind of an exception to the rule. But every other game where you felt like this team, this offense is really hitting skids, the defense just continues to come after them and come after them and come after them and kind of just make them submit. So fun, fun defense to watch. And again, like the offense, a lot of these guys are back next year. JPJ didn't play. So pretty much the whole secondary. Um, Except, yeah, the whole secondary is back next year. And we had Storm Duck. Linebacking core, I don't know what Curtis Jacobs is doing. But th- besides him, everybody else is back. Ellison needs to get better. If there's one negative to take away from that, it's that. That Tyler Ellison needs to improve. Or we have to figure something else out at the middle linebacking spot. Because we're not going to win the Big Ten playing middle linebacker that way. But that's the only negative tonight. I promise that's the only negative tonight. But besides that, you look at the defensive line. Everybody except PJ, maybe Adisa Isaac, and Tar Burton come back. So tons to be excited about next year. And I think, not 100%, but I think all the coaches are going to come back too. Yeah, we have. I think maybe Wednesday will be a better day to look ahead to something because we might get some answers in the next – 24 to 48 hours regarding uh, some of those some of those players and whatnot. So we should have some feedback there. Uh, Mark Creeder on YouTube said Clifford is the first quarterback since Todd Blackledge to win two big five bowl games as a starter. Um, just trying to think in my head. I know obviously the Cotton Bowl wasn't as big of a bowl for a little bit there, but I'm trying to think if anyone else would come close, but I don't really think so. I don't think so either. Yeah, Robinson. I mean, Penn State really, Penn State didn't really play in that many New Year's Six equivalent bowls, like back to back. That would really give a quarterback that many chances. No, and Collins didn't either. So yeah, yeah, he's the first one. Um, I think in '93 we almost made it to one, but I think we won the Citrus Bowl. But they had a good team. I think they went ten and two. 
Um, Same thing just, in 09 with Clark. They went 10 and 2 as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Capital One Bowl. They, they don't finish it. Yeah. Capital Cap- One. You're right. It was Capital One back then. Um, on the press conference, James Franklin says he wanted this for this team. He couldn't have written a better script for, for Sean Clifford. Yeah, we, we kind of said that already. He says about uh, Utah, for people who really know and love football, that's a really good football team. Agree there. Agree there. Um, Sean Clifford can't be more proud to be a Penn Stater. James Franklin says Jair Brown is one of the best safeties in the country, or is, I'm sorry, is the best safety in college football. And Jair Brown says facts. (laughs) And how many times, um, I think I tweeted it twice. I cannot believe still that the Big Ten did not have Jair Brown as a first or second team selection. He ends up with a, a sack and a half and interception in this game. And I'll have to go back and look at the stats. Maybe I'll do that this sometime during this offseason and go back and look and see like how many turnovers he had and if anyone like how much how many turnovers he had and is that close to the record for a Penn Stater? Because I think he's right around 20 turnovers in basically two-ish seasons, which is just which is just nuts. I don't know if any Penn Stater ever has had that amount of turnovers in just two seasons. So I'd be very interested to see the see the stats on that. I know some people oh, a couple episodes ago threw out some names that might be close, uh, but but yeah, that'd be something interesting. Um, Franklin also said that he got positive feedback from hotels about the way his team handled themselves this week. And he said, quote, that's a very important to us at Penn State. And also Keandre Lambert Smith, he's very proud of him. And then Sean, are you ready for this? Lay it on me. About Drew Aller on his embrace with Sean Clifford at the end of the game. Quote, it was something special. I'm just glad I was a part of the journey because he's going to do great things in football on and off the field. Sean Clifford said, we didn't even say anything. We just embraced each other. I don't know, man. You don't you don't see a lot of that, especially with the transfer portal stuff nowadays and name, image, and likeness and all the other stuff. I feel like some of that stuff has gone away. And this is just a just illustrated perfectly kind of like the good parts of college football. So that's pretty cool to see. Um and, and hey, I mean, you know how college football is these days. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, the old guy like, oh, bad my day. But like, for real, like in 2020, before the Iowa game, Clifford gets benched. Would not be the first time I ever see somebody just say, I'm done. I'm hitting the portal because I got benched for Will Levis. But so I feel like there's a world that exists where that happens if Cliff wasn't, you know, the kind of the team first guy that he is, or even after the season, possible that he's like, well, I got benched during the year. Will Levis isn't as good as me and I'm gone. Didn't do that. And instead, like you said, he was the bridge to Aller and to have an 11 win season be the bridge, man, if you're a Penn state fan, you got to be psyched for next year and the year after. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to say Dave. Dave was on our YouTube uh, when we were previewing Utah. Uh, Utah fan says, congrats, Penn State. You guys won fair and square. Appreciate that, Dave. Not a lot of people. You know, the funny, funny thing about social media, YouTube as well, 
people will say we're wrong a bunch. And I am fully ready to come on here and tell you guys I'm wrong. Because I think that's an important part of this. If you're going to sit up here and spew nonsense, you got to at least take ownership of your nonsense when you're wrong. But not a lot of people come back on here when they spew nonsense on Twitter or in the comment section. Not a lot of them come back on here and admit that they're wrong. So we appreciate you, Dave, for just being here um, and, and enjoying the time with us. Uh, not that, that Dave was necessarily wrong about anything, but that just made me think about it. Um, look, I'm always prepared to be wrong. Not that it happens very much, Sean, as you know. But um, as you know from that Tulane win over USC. Uh, uh, here we go. I have to hear about this for nine months. Yeah, you will have to hear that. Well, I, I haven't I haven't done the po- the bowl pickums yet. I don't know if that was enough to spring me into second or third or anything like that. So what we'll the I'll have to do that once we get off the the uh, podcast here and see who won the bowl pickum. Uh, it, it wasn't was close. me. It was yeah. You you stunk. You stunk. Yeah, it I was awful in these. <laughs> I actually double checked yours, Sean, because I was like, is this all the points he has? Like I was like I I was trying to honestly be nice. I was like. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't skimping you on any points. So no. honestly, I did it last minute. I didn't do the research that I have to do. And, you know, I do know something about making picks, though. I finished top of the um, the Big Ten pick them. So I do know something when I actually like doing the research, but I was going fast and I just sucked. <laughs> the uh the bulls the bulls are hard to pick in general um let's talk defense yep. more because i want to talk defense more jair brown played a fantastic game i thought utah did a really good job early as far as the fly sweeps and the motions and, and trying to get different looks for what they wanted to do i thought to a certain degree they went away from some of that in the second half even before cam mm-hmm. rising got hurt i thought cam rising was running for his life a whole bunch more the only thing that they stuck with was the read option, which they figured out. Penn State figured out to a certain degree. I, they, they didn't do any more fly sweeps. They didn't try really anything. And I guess, you know, you look at this game, and one of the maybe the, the biggest turn of events was when they tried to do that reverse pass because they were moving the football before that, and that that really kind of changed everything. They they ended up having to punt, if I'm, if I'm not I'm, – Correct on that? That first drive, yeah, they punted. No, no, no. On the drive where they had that reverse, yeah, they punted? I believe they did, yeah. And then I want to say right after that was, yeah. Yep. Or is fake that the reverse. interception? No, no. Fake reverse punt, or they had a punt. And then the very next drive, Nick Singleton goes 88 okay. and out the gate, or whatever it was. So that was, uh, that. I mean, imagine if that doesn't happen, right? Like, if you, of all the coaches in the world, to get too cute when they didn't need to get too cute. I did not expect Kyle Winningham and company to be the coaching staff to do that, but they kind of did. They were running the rock. Penn State was getting a little tired. Kim Rising was still in the game. They run that reverse. They lose a bunch of yards. Curtis Jacobs, I think, tackles them. They end up having to punt. Yeah, you pin Penn State back, but then Nick Singleton on, on third and short goes the distance. So On third and two is what it was, goes the distance. So uh, I thought that was kind of maybe the turning point in the whole game. I mean, that was... That was what? That was a a tie football game. Mm -hmm. And that was the first drive of the. The first drive of the half. So, yeah, that that could have been huge. If they go down and score a touchdown, they go up 21-14. Instead, they give Penn State the ball back and Penn State wastes no time. So, uh, 
that was that was something. But yeah. I thought in general the play calling just just didn't get didn't stay creative enough. I mean they were they were doing things Michigan did well. Like they were they were creating gap issues for Penn State. We talked a lot about it not being a size issue, not being a size issue. Adisa Isaac had plays where he was shedding off like 270 pound tight ends and making plays. Not a size issue, but when they were getting out of their gap discipline is when Utah was having a lot of the success. And why were they getting out disciplined or why were they losing their discipline? The read options, the fly sweeps. Now you're not sure if you have to set the edge as much. You can't just uh, just rush the passer in, court, in, in uh, passing situations. They didn't do as much of that in a second half. Credit Penn State for putting them in situations where they couldn't. But I thought I thought Penn State's defense really kind of squeezed in the second half, and, and that was really the difference. Yeah, I thought there were some opportunities where they could have ran by our blitzers, you know, because we were blitzing for the pass. And I thought there were opportunities, like they were doing kind of early on in the game. We weren't blitzing as much as early on, but when we did, they caught us with their pants down a few times. So I don't know. It, it's the, the, Their play calling in the second half was odd for Utah. Because, like you said, they were having. I, I tweeted during the game, you have to do a better job of setting the edge. We're not setting the edge well enough. And then that leads to you get soft up the middle. And, you know, they, they took advantage of that. But there, there was no more of that in the second half. I thought they abandoned the run too early. I was like, even when it was a two touchdown game, I wouldn't have abandoned the run yet. It was the beginning of the fourth quarter. You score a touchdown, it's a seven point game. But, okay. <laughs> I mean, do as you will. Uh, but you know, but still, I'm not going to take anything away from the defense because they swarmed and you got to play against the offense that they're presenting you with. And that's what they did. And they feasted. Yeah. We, we literally had that fan question not too long ago. That was literally like, why does Penn State struggle with good offensive lines? And, and just boom right there. Well, they just didn't. Right. I mean, look at what you, you know. You want to know what a bad defense is? Go look at what USC and what Utah was able to do to USC, and then, then look what Penn State was able to do to Utah. Now, Utah wasn't at full strength. Neither was Penn State, but they they also weren't at full strength when they played USC to a certain degree. So uh, I, w- I was impressed with Cam Rising's legs, Sean. I thought he was more – I thought he was even more mobile – and more fluid and more slippery than I was giving him credit for. So I, I do want to say that he surprised me with how slippery he was. I knew he was slippery, but someone had the funniest tweet and said, I'm getting serious Brian Lewerke vibes right now. And and honestly, I, that, that might be an insult to him. But I kind of get it because I was not worried at all about Cam Rising's throwing ability pretty quickly on in that game. He did not impress me as much as a passer pretty much – Right off the bat, there was some pretty. I I think his release honestly is a little funny to me. I don't know what it is. It looks like he's on top of the ball a little bit. I'm not sure how to explain it, but it seems like things come out a little bit high and they float a little bit more than they should. And I mean, the pressure was there early. They just weren't getting the sacks. Even on the the hail mary throw down the left side, he actually ended up I think hitting whoever was blitzing more than they hit him. But they got pressure in his face even on that play. So. I wasn't overly impressed with his throwing ability. Now, again, he didn't have his safety blanket and Kincaid out there. Uh, and and we thought the Penn State secondary was going to have the advantage on the Utah wide receivers. 
But when they did have wide open people, I didn't I didn't think he made any extremely great throws. And his wide receivers, for the most part, didn't help him out. There was a couple tight end drops here and there that that to move the sticks. But overall, I mean, like I said, he ended up with 38 passing yards besides that Hail Mary throw. So, yeah, I mean, Sean, I just want to give you a chance. Sean Clifford, Cam Rising, who are you taking? <laughs> Today I would take Sean Clifford. <laughs> nah, I mean, overall in his career, I mean, Rising did do a little more. I mean, you got to, he did. I mean, he accomplished a little more, I should say. Today, Sean Clifford, really the better quarterback. He had the better game. Um, I think as a passer, you probably take Clifford. But I will say, Utah's opt-outs hurt more than Penn State's. And I think a lot of that has to do with talent, recruiting, and depth. Kincaid was their passing offense. He was the most important person on their offense, maybe even more important than rising. Like, the passing offense went through him. He's going to be an NFL guy. He's probably going to be a pretty damn good one. Uh, their their cornerback, his name's escaping me right now, but ton of interceptions. Maybe Penn State isn't as open if he's in the game. Whereas, yes, we we had the same number of opt-outs, to my knowledge, with Washington and Porter, and they didn't really hurt that bad. And I love Parker. I love Joey. But Kalen King, we said all year, might is the is the most is the more technical technically sound corner out of him and Porter. Porter is an impressive specimen. I mean, he is lanky. He, he's he learned how to use his hands well this year. He's got a he's got a great future in the pros. Parker was our best receiver this year, but we have guys behind them that could step up. Like, even the throw, I mean, everybody jumped on Marquise Wilson on Twitter for giving up that long pass. Marquise was in the right spot. He actually played that well. He slipped. And if Kalen King is in the game, Kalen King ain't slipping. And Marquise Wilson himself has pretty good ball skills, but it's something that could happen. And um, that was probably the only play that I think we missed Joey on because Kalen King went in the locker room, maybe had to pee or something because he came right back out. So I think that was the only play that I could safely say we missed one of our opt-out guys, whereas Utah, they missed Kincaid the whole game. That's true. I, I think what you really said there was it was a very good point as far as the depth. And I, a lot of credit to Penn State staff because you're right. You lose – one guy to a Penn State for Penn State, that's not nearly as bad as it is for Utah. And that's a credit to Penn State's depth. I think that needs to be stressed a bunch because that is 100% true. No doubt about it. Um, I'm going to let you go on what you said about um, about still maybe wanting to take Cam Rising. But I'm just going to strongly disagree with you on that one. Um, we do have some breaking news. Ooh. Yeah. And this will make a lot of people. This is just the cherry on the top for people. Uh, NC State wide receiver Devin Carter is transferring to Penn State. Okay. Just happened. Just happened right now. Um, 18 minutes ago. All right. So um, 
we'll, we'll obviously talk a little bit more about that on Wednesday, but I just thought I saw that come across my screen. So I thought I would just, you know, let everybody know that uh, Penn State does, in fact, get their wide receiver. There was some talk today because on ESPN, someone said, uh, was it Samuels, that Cephas was going to go to Pitt. And so people started messaging us like, what the heck is going on? Uh, well, now Devin Carter is is committed to transfer from NC State to Penn State. So that is breaking fast. news. Uh, he he could have technically went to the NFL, but he's not. Uh, so he will be. He played 41 starts at NC State, 118 catches, 1900 yards, and 10 touchdowns in his career. Good size, six three, two fifteen. Yeah, so Penn State's getting their wide receiver there. We just talked about one of the fan questions. I don't know if we're going to do like a true fan question today because we're trying to keep this pretty short. But the question was, like, do we trust Keandre Lambert-Smith as your number one next year? I think we have a lot of time to talk about that. But I, I just don't know if Penn State's going to have a true number one. I, I just don't know. I mean, I like today. You don't did need they this a, year? Yeah, I don't know if you, they really did this year. Because yeah. Parker Washington had two big games, Minnesota and Ohio State, where he acted kind of like a number one. Um, but not even really in the Minnesota game, honestly. He just had a couple of really great plays. Uh, Ohio State, he acted like a number one. But uh, I don't know if you necessarily have to have a true number one. Like, if a Marvin Harrison shows up at your doorstep and demands to be targeted 15 times a game, okay, like you'll take that. But you can you can be okay with having a bunch of good weapons, like today, in the aggregate. So, um, So Devin Carter transferring to Penn State. We'll talk a little bit more about him on Wednesday. Sean, anything else defensively that you wanted to really I, – I don't know if we mentioned Chop Robinson yet, but I wanted to give – I thought, I really – I'm serious. I think Chop Robinson was held every single play. Like, the dude is just – gets held by every – like, the right tackle was literally hooking him almost every play. And, and not just him. I think he, they did a stunt, and they, he was hooking Beeman too. Um I thought the defensive line, for all intents and purposes, did pretty well. There was moments where they were struggling, but overall, I think they did really well. And and they really got out. I thought Adisa Isaac had a phenomenal game, and I think you mentioned yeah, him too. already. But I thought he really had a good game, which is nice to see. But uh, I mean, it was like water on you know water on rocks sort of when they were blitzing. I mean, they were just in uh, the next you know they started coming in. So. I want to give a shout out to him. I the the special teams wasn't a factor at all, which is kind of odd. I thought a lot of people thought special teams was going to be a factor. Chris Stoll. That's true. How could that I forget? Hustle. <laughs> that that we should mention that. Um, man, oh man, he was booking it down the field. <laughs> on that punt by Barney Moore was dribbling down towards the end zone. And I never even did they ever show the replay of it? I don't know if they ever they did. They should have. Herbie did talk. Herbie did bring it up. I think he brought it up later in the game too, uh, but I don't think they showed a replay. I, mean, I don't Pat think they McAfee's did either. He's probably losing his mind. Yeah, the <laughs> national long snapper of the year hustling down there, and I don't know how he did it. So in college football, you can go into the end zone. You just can't be touching the end zone when you touch the ball. And so I don't know how close it really was, but it looked really freaking close. It was close. very close. <laughs> he, he dove in there and stopped at the one-yard line. Otherwise, Utah, especially in that first half, actually commanded field position really well. 
Penn mm-hmm. State was actually, even into the second half, Penn State was struggling with field position. But when you have two, whatever those distances were, touchdowns, the the run and the pass, that kind of that kind of solidifies things. So uh, otherwise, special teams not really a factor. No kick returns. Uh, Katron Allen had a nice little return, but but really not. Mitch Tinsley had a nice return, but nothing crazy, Sean. No, nah, return game, like you said, pretty much a non-factor. Uh, I think uh, Katron had a nice return of the thirty. Yeah. Sometimes I think when they do the overhead cam, it's a little tougher to see just how yes. far a guy got. Uh, but he did get to the thirty-yard line. But I mean, I mean, and nothing really. Like I said to write home about nothing we're going to be talking about in ten years. I'm yeah. sure I'll still be talking about the crystal play in ten years, though, because I'm a little weird. You probably are. Um, <laughs> you probably will be. YouTube says uh, Philip. Tessa Rose says, also love the play calling. They're ready to win today. <clears throat> Lambda says, missing both of our starting tackles, and we still blocked really well. Love the improvements of the offensive line this year. A lot to look forward to. And then Tessero comes back with Miss Parker Washington today. Hope he returns, but if he will not be successful wherever he goes. Yeah, Philip, Phil, it's, it's 100% con- <clears throat> confirmed. Yep. Parker Washington is going to the NFL. So uh, he did not play because of injury today. But both him and Joey Porter Jr. were there uh, with the football team. So they were uh, able to, to celebrate this with their teammates. But Philip, Philip Parker Washington will be going to the NFL. Um, and then I'm going to check, the, check the, the press conference one more time for anything crazy. But, Sean, any final thoughts? I mean, I, we're going to talk more in depth on Wednesday. But I wanted to keep this one roughly around an hour or so. Yeah, just again, coaching staff. It's um, it's a big credit to them, you know, keeping everybody here for the bowl game. With and I know the Rose Bowl means a lot to people, but these kids coming up, I mean, everybody and their brother opts out anymore. Anybody with not everybody, but a lot of guys with a somewhat of a pro future, they're looking at the pros and they don't want to get hurt. I mean, hey, it happens. Uh, but keeping this team together, keeping them focused after the Ohio state game, they just, they didn't get deflated. They didn't get down on themselves. They kept going and they kept going and they kept going. And then you have Utah come in and all between the Michigan state game. And now today you heard, well, who did Penn state beat? Well, it's fair somewhat. I mean, Best team we beat going in, maybe Minnesota, maybe Purdue. Um, so that's fair. But today, we're uh, you could tell the team heard that. And you could tell they were fired up by it. And they had something to prove. And James Franklin had something to prove. And Manny Diaz and Mike Yersich. And we beat the stuffing out of them in the second half. And it was awesome to see. So thankful for Manny Diaz, too. Looks like we're going to get him back next year which is what I was hoping for. I was hoping for two years out of Manny. And LeVar Arrington actually said to him after the game, uh, Audrey Snyder caught a cool video of him saying, you know, whatever you need, I got you. <laughs> Basically, you know, saying like, I, that could mean a lot of things <laughs> with LeVar. Um, <laughs> but whatever he needs, he's got. So uh, we're going to have Manny back next year in all likelihood. In all likelihood, we're going to have Mike back. And I'm, I wish the season started next week. 
And I'm not always like that after, after season's end. Uh, last year I wasn't, I was like, yeah, I'm ready for a break from these guys for a little while. Uh, but this, this team, yeah. I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be excited for next year. Like I am so, so pumped and we're going to get ready together. And it's going to be, it's going to be a quicker nine months than it feels like, like before you know it, we're going to be in summer camp. It's going to be late July and the season will be here. So Enjoy the off season. Enjoy this win because these fans really deserve it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you summed it up well, Sean. Just quick housekeeping. If you haven't already, please like the video and subscribe on YouTube. We will be back Wednesday night. New time starting in the new year. 8 p.m. Eastern instead of 9 p.m. Eastern. So we'll be back Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Additionally, we will be going to once a week again as we head into the off season, if you will, um, as the news does slow down a little bit. That being said, if there's huge breaking news, we might hop on here and, and you know have some fun with it. Um, but that's the plan for at least right now. We'll miss you guys a little bit. We won't be around as much, Sean, but um, that is the plan. So we'll be back Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Sean, before we before we wrap this one up. You asked me before this this game, you know, it, you know, is Penn State a great team, you know, if they lose? Is Penn State a great team after what you saw today? Yes. That's that's big coming from you. I'll say this. I was just saying this to my dad. I don't think there's an elite team in college football this year. I think the top 10 teams could all beat each other in a given week. And we're one of them. So we should feel really good about that. Yeah, of course, Michigan and Ohio State losses suck. We know. We know. But I really think we'd have a shot to beat any of these guys. And spoiler alert, I think the Frogs have a chance next week. Not a great chance. They're going to have to score a lot. They have a puncher's chance. Because I don't think there's a lot of separation between the teams this year. I really don't. Georgia's is a great team. I don't think they're as good as last year. That defense was just dripping with NFL talent. So was the offense, too. Not that way this year. I think the Horn Frogs have a puncher's chance next week. So, little other college football news. Frog versus dog, baby. Yep. I think um, it could be a good one. I really do. They kind of remind me a little of the 2016 Penn State team, this TCU team. Yeah, they're, they're kind of a hard-nosed group, but they do have some talent to be able to have those splashy plays. Trace, I think, was a lot like Duggan in some ways so yeah they have a shot they uh yeah good good wide receiver out there too um well we're gonna call it that we're, we're gonna call it a, an episode today i know it's a little bit short but we wanted to get something out there especially for our listeners that went out to the rose bowl something for you guys to listen to on the way home uh we appreciate all you guys all season long hanging out with us on twitter talking with us on youtube or wherever the place may be we really do appreciate you guys tremendously um, for for hardcore Penn State football, I'm Corey Listoki. That's Sean Kane. We will see you on Wednesday, and I just I just want to wrap it up by saying that Sean Clifford can indeed throw the deep ball. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Have a good night.